0: Just real quick, no. you are listening, top of the hour, WMSC Upper Montclair. This is Match Week. You are joined by myself, Artie Amini. We discuss everything soccer from the highs and the lows in the sporting week, the news that is relevant to you. Hello everybody, how are we doing today? All my soccer addicts, how are we? We are all junkies for the sport and we just love having some fun talking about it. Now, today is going to be a little bit different. You know, I'm brand new to the station. It's a brand new show. Here to introduce myself. My name is Artie Emini. Yeah, that's right. Artie Emini. Don't forget it. <laughs> just joking. But yeah, we're here today to discuss Everything soccer, but this show isn't only just a show. It originally started out as a podcast as well. And um, sadly I had taken a big break from the podcast for a long time. Uh, I would say about four months or so, put it on the back burner because I was investing in this station. And this station means a lot to me and to a whole lot of other people who listen to it. And I you know, I wanted to be a part of it. I put my work in, put my time in. I'm very appreciative to everybody who uh, works here at the station. And now I'm now seen as a member of it, And I'll be able to bring this phenomenal show with me. So Match Week, what is it? Match Week is a soccer-based news show where we talk everything soccer from, you know, what your team is doing and how, you know, they're struggling a little bit X, Y, and Z, or about certain transfers, certain big news that's happening, um, especially in regards to, you know, how things occur within the sport, and a lot of people are not as knowledgeable or, of it, or they are, and they want to have someone to talk to about it, so that's what we're here for. So I'll wait for our guests to come, we're going to take a nice little break and listen to some music.
1: You're listening to 90.3 FM, WMSC, Upper Montclair.
0: Hello, hello, how are we doing now, guys? Uh Here's the thing now, I have something to talk about here, and that is... You know, the state of soccer right now as a franchise within, uh, you know, the sport of the U.S., just a little, like, small topic as we wait for our guests to come on. Um, As we know, a lot of times franchises have been struggling uh, as a sport within, you know, uh, the U.S. itself. Uh, We see it now, for example, with the NBA. There's a lot of teams like, you know, the Mavericks, Orlando Magic, stuff like that. These teams where they're not really spending as much and doing as much and, you know, they're sort of losing out on the potential they have because all they have is just this franchise guaranteed sport and money spread out and stuff, you know, and a lot of people will see it as sort of a big positive like, hey, you know, we have x y and z to use and this is our options and you know this is what we have and we can't risk anything we have a guarantee and sometimes in life you really can't you know like settle for the guarantee there's always a way to expand and i feel like you know we really are holding and hesitating ourselves on expanding more than we can so yeah while we wait let's go and listen to some more music as we wait for our guests to get here Hello, and we are back. Sorry for that little hiccup over here. Now, I have my guest with me. I've been waiting for him for a little bit, but it's okay. The best <laughs> happens when you wait for it. Uh, can you introduce yourself?
1: Hi. Uh, Besmir Zuda, third time on uh, on the podcast now, right? Third time?
0: Uh, yeah, I think third time is sounds right. And, uh, you know, today we're going to be just discussing, you know, what's happened to
1: the weekend so far,
0: how we're feeling about certain results, and um, tell me, Besmir, you know big result happened for you.
1: Oh man, oh man. Yeah, listen. I I was unfortunate. I didn't get to watch the Chelsea game live, but it was probably better off for my stress levels <laughs> and my blood pressure that I didn't watch the game. Um Let's say that you know, too much of a roller coaster. Ah, uh, that Rudiger goal, unreal. I mean, he's just he's a, he's on a different level, but there they always have critics. There's always critics talking at Chelsea, you know when they when they try to play four at the back, never ends well. Um, I was a bit surprised with the lineup, but you know what? Listen, Brentford has been super dangerous all season. You know they haven't really been uh, consistent at it all season, but you know when they're in gear, they've been you know they've been a force to say the least, and you know to beat Chelsea four one at home at Stamford Bridge is is unreal i mean a good wake-up call for chelsea you know their fourth maybe fifth loss of the season um you know i am a strong supporter of thomas tuchel you know i'm confident you know they're they're gonna be okay you know i mean when you look at it it was three goals in the span of 10 minutes uh, right after chelsea went up tough very tough. Ball. I I,
0: th- I think that was a game plan all along with Brentford, as we saw. Like for example, opening game of the season against Arsenal, uh, Brentford were uh, basically m- had minimal possession throughout this whole entire game. Right, Chelsea seventy one percent possession to Brentford's twenty nine. That basically just shows parking the bus, waiting for the counter every time. A Chelsea specialty, as some would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to a you know making use of the ball. To score four goals with twenty nine percent possession is is quite the feat, and you know. They say nobody counts passes, nobody counts your possession. My dad is a huge nobody counts your chances, nobody counts your passes. They only count one thing, and that's the goals. So you know. He you know he he's right. He's right. Chelsea can have the ball for ninety five percent of the match. You lose one nil. You lose one nil. You know, um, like Marine, the great Mourinho quote, you know, let them take the ball home with them as long as we take the three points. And that's what Brentford did. I mean, you know, it, great result for them. You know, hopefully Chelsea can rebound for the Champions League. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. happy for Brentford. Well-deserved.
0: Yeah, 100%. Especially with Christian Eriksen getting on the score sheet, you know. Man's had a troubled year. So the fact of the matter is that he can get a goal back in the Premier League playing again is just a great story.
1: Yeah, I mean, so the guy, you know, goes through this miserable period of, in his life and then comes back, scores with the national team in, in the stadium where he had the whole incident. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's grabbed a couple of Prem goals now. I mean, you, you got to, when you got to look at some of the best signings clubs have made this season, I mean, Er- erickson has been on fire since he joined Brentford.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. For Brentford, it wasn't it wasn't even like that big of a gamble. It's either you get somebody who can contribute a little bit to the team and does things here and there on low wages, or you don't have that whatsoever. Like we all know his class, and in really the Premier League was his only option because they're the only ones who will allow for you know to have the pacemaker and everything. You know, like the it's very very it's very very fortunate situation for him. Going on from Christian Eriksen, the league is looking tough right now. Um, We have Man City on seventy three points, and we have Liverpool on seventy two. Think about it. There's only a point differential within the top right now. It's as competitive as it can be.
1: And they play each other in the next week or so. April tenth, I think it is. Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at it, you know, it was it was always going to be you know a two horse race. I mean i still don't think chelsea has everything clicking and with the issues with abramovich and whatnot this season
0: yeah the sanctions are really just like i think they're like overtly harsh for no reason personally like you're you're going after a club where that club has put x amount of jobs in london where they are around stanford and stuff like that and They've, they've like the only the only way you're really affecting this club you're not affecting the starting 11 or you know the people up top who make old decisions you're affecting the people who work in the in the cafeteria for the players you're affecting the drivers you're affecting the people who work at the stadium you know and the,
1: the blue-collar workers yeah means, exactly yeah.
0: The, these are the people that are being affected and yet somehow they're still being so harsh with sanctions on Chelsea
1: yeah um I understand where it comes from in terms of, you know, wanting to punish one of the Russian oligarchs. You know, as, as a person, as a businessman, you know, it's hard to respect someone like Abramovich with the way he's made his money and how he's gone about his life. You know, even with reports now saying he's leading the, you know, peace talks between Ukraine and Russia. But when it comes to being strictly a football club owner,
0: He's one of the best there's ever been. I think.
1: He's he's helped transform not just Chelsea but the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You know when he first came in, you know Chelsea United w- w- was a battle for the ages. You know everyone talks about what City and Liverpool are going through now. Realistically, Liverpool's won one league title since Klopp's been here. Yeah. Chelsea and United were 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 exchanging league titles every year, FA Cup finals. Well, I mean, United
0: then, went in the adjo- majority of.
1: Well, oh league no! Titles. Of course, of course, but. You know, in the last 20 years, Chelsea being the most successful club in England is a different story. Yes, but, you know, just <laughs> let me
0: get what I can get, bro, okay? I've had a rough weekend with United. Just let me be, bro.
1: No, that's fair. That's fair. You know, but when it comes to, like I said, you know, during the whole pandemic, Abramovich went in. You know, he did a lot for the healthcare workers in, in England, you know, opening up Stanford Bridge and, you know, donating a lot of his own money and whatnot. You know, Chelsea is a club that enjoys being the underdog and hated by everyone it's something i say all the time that people find a bit weird but chelsea enjoys being hated by everyone and right now i feel like it's wrongful hate you know we can't control who owns us you know with the club being sold now and whatnot but still to look at chelsea and what they're going through is you know if you ask me it's still it's still been a pretty good season you know they've picked up some trophies you know, final appearances, we're in, you know, we're still in the Champions League. Third place looks pretty wrapped up, you know, as long as we do our job till the end of the season. You know, it's it's still not the end of the world for Chelsea.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about, like, points difference between third place and seventh place, it's really only six points, uh, like, eight points, six points, really, in majority. Like, if we're talking about from United to Chelsea... It's an eight-point difference, with Chelsea having a game in hand.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, w- when I look at the serious contenders for fourth, you know, you look at Arsenal, who at level on points with Spurs, at you know, right now at the recording of this podcast. But they're also a, a game, game behind. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and Arsenal has arguably one of the toughest, if not the toughest, schedule remaining of the season. You know, Brighton, Southampton, Chelsea United, West Ham lead Spurs. So it's, you know, it's not going to be easy for them, but, you know, it's hard. I mean, Antonio Conte's pulled some good results with Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, West Ham can surprise people. You know, I'm honestly pretty excited to see who finishes in that fourth place. You know, I'm going to be thing. an optimistic Chelsea fan and say we're, we're taking third.
0: <laughs> Here's the thing, me, I like, unbiased, like neutral fan. If I'm looking <laughs> at this. I can't use any bias, man. no, nah, I'm just joking. All right, I think Arsenal's guaranteed fourth, in my opinion. I like don't get me wrong, Antonio Conte, phenomenal manager, but as we saw, um, against Newcastle, like even though like granted it was a game of two halves, like first half Newcastle had them on lock, knew what they were doing, and second half they blew away f- like four or five goals conceded. Like granted, yes, great result for them, but as we've seen, teams know how to lock them down. Like they know where their creative outlets are. And they know what they can or cannot do. For example, like if for let's say for a Newcastle, right? Like like Tonham will know how to lock down those teams sometimes because it's very easily you can see that it's Willock and it's St. Maximin. Those are your only two creators, lock them down. The team, you know, can't do anything. But for Tonham, when they come up against these bigger teams, they don't really know how to lock them down. They don't know how to like go up against a Chelsea. They don't really know how to go up against an Arsenal. Uh, United maybe it's easy you just go through Maguire and you're scoring. That's not, that's not an issue. But that's that's where I I think they might falter in comparison to an Arsenal because like Arsenal's giving me like these chavy vibes at Barcelona right now. Like they really have this hive mentality that's working for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're we're getting into the business end of the season now, right? Where you need to pull results. That's where I would possibly go the other way and say Antonio Conte's experience maybe plays a big factor in them pulling results. I mean, it's you know take away my Chelsea bias towards Antonio Conte who came in brought the you know three center back revolution to the world you know had a dominating presence in the prem with Chelsea um you know I think his experience is what's going to be the difference maker in him being able to get his team and his troops ready for the battle of the last you know eight matches of the season or so you know Antonio Conte has proven time and again that he can get his teams through tough times and, you know, win the games that are supposed to be won, even if it's a 1-0 victory. You know, while, with no disrespect to Spurs, while they don't have that exactly killer mentality and that winning mentality, they don't win trophies.
0: No, they... You know, it's just... You're not wrong, they don't.
1: You know, they they don't win trophies, but Antonio Conte does. Yeah. So... I think he is going to make this fourth place push very exciting. And let's be real, between Arsenal, Spurs, United, West Ham, I, I honestly enjoy watching West Ham more than all four, all, all from the, than the other three teams. West Ham's been been the most entertaining side to watch in the Premier this season. But They're so much fun to they, watch. They've
0: also been the most inconsistent side, right? <coughs> like, that's what makes them so I, fun. I know it, it's either you're gonna get a masterclass performance of Declan Rice putting them on their back, or it's either gonna be like they just can't hold themselves together. It, it's really one or the other.
1: Yeah, but West Ham's so much fun to watch. I, you know, I am a huge. David Moyes supporter, yeah, love him, loved him since he was at United with Fellaini until <laughs> until he went to United with Fellaini. You mean when
0: he was at Everton? I
1: Fellaini. mean Everton. I'm sorry, uh, uh, since he was at Everton, Fellaini was arguably the best midfielder in the league. That specifically that one year he was he was untouchable. Yeah, um, you know I've always said Moyes is the kind of manager that needs to be at these clubs where, with all due respect, they're not. Competing for the title, but for for Champions League, Europa League spots, maybe a League Cup an FA Cup. Just the pressure, like you. Well, have they're understand. killing in the Europa League too, yeah, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they are. You have to understand, like being under pressure like that, it gets to a player or even a manager. Like for example, uh, Ben Foster. He was recently talking about this on every <laughs> e- e- every e- e- I know, but like every, every channel possible, whether it was the United podcast, his own podcast, somehow mentioning he played for United. But he says playing for that team comes with a high expectation. There's no easy in, no easy out. There's no e- there's no easy in, no easy out. It's really tough to hold that because every game you are expected to win. Nothing else. There's high expectations for every player.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And I think the easy way to say it is, I mean, if I wish I could just jump to the end of the season and kind of figure out where the results are. You know in FIFA? Oh, yeah, when, when you simulate? Yeah, when, when you simulate like a month? Like... I wouldn't be surprised if it was West Ham in the fourth spot, if it was Spurs, if it was Arsenal, even if it's United, you know, maybe McGuire, you know, the group stage draw of the World Cup kind of gets him going again, and he becomes... Or, or, or
0: maybe Maguire just somehow, accidentally, something happens, oh no.
1: Decides to retire. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> no, no uh, we have to have some faith in uh, good old Slabhead, he... uh the World Cup's coming around, and England's gonna need him in, on form.
0: Well, here's my question: What do you think about uh, Harry Maguire being booed at the games? Do you? Well, here's the question: Do you think it's the fans trying to express their opinions for once and being wanting to be heard, or is it them genuinely being upset with the player?
1: In all reality, Harry Maguire is not the is not the sole cause of every problem United has well no but um uh, he is the easiest scapegoat because yeah. he's put some bad performances in uh when it comes to his situation I I feel I feel upset for you know I, it upsets me uh a player like him you know being a coach if one of my players is going through a rough patch the last thing I want is anyone is anyone booing them especially those who are supposed to be his biggest supporters. Well, here's
0: the question. Do you think that they're booing him out of spite to Southgate? Because the only thing they really say about Southgate is what they say on Twitter or, you know, what if they maybe have chance or something. Do you think it's because the fans are upset with how Southgate's selection have been? Because he said throughout these, like, friendlies and stuff like that that it was meant to be more so a, um, a test to them and how... Um, how they want to test out new players and maybe systems. And a lot of people arguing for Tomori. They wanted to see that debut with him. They wanted to see how he would do oh, within man. the English shirt because obviously he's been killing it for uh, AC Milan, playing with three different center back partners, outpassing, out defending every defender in that league. And that's a Defenders League, which is very impressive.
1: I mean, just another animal to come through the Chelsea Academy at Cobham. I mean... Even Murray's okay, if, if we're ta- if we're
0: gonna talk about like Chelsea animals too, people are also making the argument for Mark Gahey. Oh my God! Connor Gallagher yeah. gets called up, but yeah. I think I think Gaye was not called up from what I heard from Outrage.
1: No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think that's
0: the point they're making is that they want to see these players who they've seen have been phenomenal throughout the season, based off form, want to see them in the English shirt, want to see how they do.
1: Yeah, and and I can understand them being upset with Southgate. Take it out on Southgate. Yeah, but how? You know, I, that's the question for every English fan. How do you take it out on Southgate? English fans are like every other fan in the world, maybe a little more, you know, quick to respond, you know, with, uh, you know, based on their emotions, and uh, you know, give if McGuire comes up in a World Cup group stage against the United States and scores a 90th minute header to win the match. Harry Maguire will be pronounced as the king of England. Yeah, he will be their savior. he every, shirt sales will go through the roof. If if Chelsea if uh Maguire scores an own goal in a group stage game or something, he's gonna have to go into witness protection. <laughs> yeah, you know it's it, it's the sad reality of football. You know, do I believe taking my Chelsea bias out that Mark Gahey and uh and and Tomori have proven their worth to get into the national team. I mean I think Tomori specifically is is undisputed. He he shouldn't just be in the squad. He should be pushing for a starting spot. I mean he he's part of this resurgence of AC Milan that's been tremendous, you know. They they're not just fighting for a top 4 spot in in, in Italy. You know, they're at the top. You know, he's been, he's been He's been he's been magnificent. Wonderful is a, is a you know is underrating him a bit. Yeah. You know, he offers everything you need in a modern day center back and I think by the time the World Cup comes around I can't think of anyone that starts over him at center back position for England. Well, here's the
0: question. Like England they set up in a very peculiar way where they have these two like defensive mids, well defensive but you really have Declan Rice who's that Everything, yeah, and you, you pair him up with either uh Calvin Phillips or uh Henderson, wh- uh, and uh, either or whoever you put any random midfielder next to Declan Rice, and you basically have Harry Maguire sitting right behind them. That's how they've always been. They've always had f- like five defenders, but really it's been Harry Maguire do what you do, don't cause an no own goal. That's big. <laughs> like like Southgate has given him so much protection in that team, as now England fans when they look at him at United. They wonder why it's because United does not give him that protection that England does. So I think it's sort of harsh to judge. A, like, granted, I'm the biggest Maguire critic. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a bit harsh to judge a player based off of being ha- ha- based off having to adjust to different styles of play.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. You know, but when I look at it, it's tough for Maguire, I'd say at United. Also, when you look at the quality around him. Yeah. Um you know with all due respect to United players, listen United is one of the biggest clubs in the world. You know my, you know my respect for United. It's you know, I have a lot of respect for the club, but when you're playing for the English national team, now it's a pity they can't grab as the kind of results they should be they should be getting. Yeah. Uh you know, when you look at some of the best young talent in the world, you know England's right up there with everyone else. I mean, just look at Jude Bellingham. Kid's 18, yeah. 19 years old, dominating the Bundesliga. He's he he's so much fun to watch too. He's 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 a little baller, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And the big thing for me is this: this England side with Maguire in the side just being more consistent. You know, you know. I'm not gonna even talk about the Chelsea players like a Chilwell. Being in there.
0: Well, that's the issue, right? I mean, when you have a player like Chilwell who's out injured currently at the moment. When you also have someone like Reese James who wasn't given enough time, and now you have Trent back. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> England they, they have, have like so much quality. It's, no, it's ridiculous because like you know how like with like Brazil, it used to be like they never had, they never could decide what left back to start. Yeah. For England now, it's like they have seven different right backs. Pick one. Just pick any one. They're guaranteed. Yeah, I mean,
1: starter. and and you can't turn and not start like Kyle Walker. Yeah, but Kyle Walker, I think for England, he knows
0: his role as sort of playing that in between of a center back and a right back. He's sort of like, that's why, I, again, that's why McGuire thrives so much. You have someone like uh, like Kyle Walker who's right behind him, right? Like with the pace he still has for his age. Able, oh, yeah. Kyle like, Walker's rapid. He's like, what, 32, 33, and he's still one of the fastest players on the prem? It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if my back line for England. If I was the manager, not now, one day. Uh, but if it was right now, bring me along, please. Honestly, oh, of course, of course, I, I'd I'd have McGuire in my in my lineup. I mean, well, you know, I would have him, Tamori, Kyle Walker in in the three center back role, uh, in three center backs. You know, when it comes to wing backs, I mean, take take your pick. So, to put names in a hat you pull him out listen if you as a Chelsea fan you give me Reese James and Ben Chowell at wing backs i'm happy yeah but here's the thing though like like I, I used to be like against like Kieran
0: Trippier like you know he shouldn't be starting for england and then and then like you know i've seen him at newcastle and then i've seen him on the true jordy podcast and it's like you got me you know yeah, he's like a good guy isn't he? <laughs> now, now i have to care about you you know which is really tough
1: yeah and i mean he he was at was it atletico? atletico you know who's at atletico and now he's back in the prime and everything, and he's he, he's quality too. It's it's just hard, you know. It's you know it's maybe just picking the profile of player you want in a certain match, but yeah. England is spoiled for talent uh, across the back line and pretty much everywhere else right now. You know, it's all on Southgate to see if he can put together a team with the chemistry that. Will perform on the pitch, and that isn't going to have them booed by every fa- English fan. Well, in the I mean, country. here's the thing: like,
0: that's the thing I'm curious about. Like, is booing like, see, it, like, because for example, PSG, right? They they booed Neymar and Messi off the pitch the other day. Yeah, but like, was it rightfully so because they've they choked a the Champions League again? Right? Like, you have what again. should be one of the best forward lines in history. With Neymar, Mbappe, and Lionel Messi. Granted, I don't think he's better than Ronaldo. Still, (laughs) he is one of the best players in the world or ever. If you're talking about a debate between two, there's only two: Ronaldo and Messi. That's it.
1: Yeah, and you know, when it comes to fans booing and not like that's a situation where you need to boo the whole the whole squad. Yeah, I understand. You know, even though I'm not I'm not one for the negative responses like that I think there's better ways to go about it um you know Messi Mbappe Neymar none of them looked to lose the game on purpose you know it's I mean especially not Mbappe he was the one carrying that team you know but like you're you've been there when you know you know we've coached together a bunch and I say to all my players not one of you are here to lose this game and to not help your team win yeah you know, so you tell someone, yeah, you lost the game. Well, congrats! Like you just told them something they understand and yeah. they already know. They're already upset about, you know, when 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 you're when you're Lionel Messi and you're and you are competing for who's arguably the greatest player in history. The last thing you need is to not win a Champions League tie when you have Mbappe and Neymar suiting up next to you. You yeah. know, like. He feels it as much as anyone does. Neymar feels it as much as anyone does. Mbappe feels it probably more than everyone because he's, he's the young star trying to prove himself. I mean, himself. it's just crazy
0: because if we look back to the beginning of the season, our first, the first ever episode that we released, right, we talked about who has the best, pre- like, starting 11 in the Champions League, we predicted. And we put PSG as, like, the top dogs because think about it. They had just signed Wijnaldum, Donnarumma, Hakimi, <laughs> Sergio Ramos, and Linema. Like, I, I don't think people understand, like, how great of a transfer window that is, getting three out of five players on a free transfer. Let's just, like, think about that for a second. Three out of five.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look back at that podcast, you know, I'm kind of happy now to say that they lost because if they want to have a FIFA career mode-type transfer window, this is almost like they accidentally simulated a match in the Champions League and they got knocked out. Yeah. You know, and, and it's that, oh, beep, moment where you can't go back and change it, like... Hey, like, hey, you're screwed. You gotta have to go through an entire year again in career mode to get to the Champions League. <laughs> oh, you know, it's it's just one of those things. But taking it all back to booing Maguire, booing, it, it's not fair. He's he's there. He's shown he how much he loves playing for his for the national team. Yep. You know, I. I'm going to be very eager to see what happens at the World Cup because he needs one not one good game he needs one good moment one goal one <laughs> goal line clearance and he's and he's the hero again you know fans are reactionary it is every time yeah. chelsea loses a match my dad asks for everyone at chelsea to get fired and for all the players to be sold <laughs> everyone's reactionary you know it's it's just one of those things where you know it's going to be hard i think he is good enough to maybe help United secure that fourth place finish. You know that, like I said, the fourth place finish in the Prem is going to be as exciting as any of the other, the title challenge or the the battle for relegation or any of this fourth place races is, is going to be tremendous.
0: I don't know. Battle of relegation is tough right now because your boy, you know, he just took over Everton. <sighs> don't remind me, man. Frank Lampard. I mean, here's the thing. He he's been he's been trying to get results together with that team. Do you, and, like, he brought in personnel to try and fix it, right? Do you – here's the question I have. Do you do you put Everton's failings on Lampard or do you put it on the club as a whole? Because I think it's a club as a whole.
1: Yeah. No, it has to be the club as a whole. I mean, if you look at the current league table, though, you know, he, they're currently five points behind Leeds with three games in hand. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've only played 28 matches. You know, in all fairness, the same goals for Burnley, who's a couple spots below them, But – I think him keeping Everton up this season is fine. I think I think he'll do it. You know, I think the bottom three who are there right now, I think those are the three that are getting relegated. I mean Norwich Norwich is getting relegated. Yeah, there's, there's a guarantee there. Um and I don't think Burnley and Watford really have it in them to keep to stay up this season. I don't know,
0: Wood Weghorst, bro. He's always every game it's somehow playing a goal or assist for him. Yeah, yeah, I mean That's probably one of the craziest transfers. Think about that. Newcastle went in and bought Chris Wood. And then Burnley upgraded Chris Wood with Woot Weghorst from Wolfsburg.
1: Yeah. I mean, and he scores a ton of goals. He scored a ton of goals out in uh, Germany, didn't he? Yeah. You know, but, like, you look at Watford's results and... Yeah, I just don't think Watford, Burnley, Norwich are going to have what it takes uh, to get out of the relegation zone. You know, I I think this is (coughs) karma for Watford...
0: With like holding players from going on international duty,
1: yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's what
0: happened. Like, I, you know, I me, mean, I'm a big like, you know, I'm a little superstitious with karma, you know, good <laughs> karma comes back around, you know, or bad. But that's the thing when you when you hold players like Emmanuel, Dedes, and uh, a, a Tebow going on international duty for the Afcon, yeah. the world, the world works in curious ways. So you're gonna get what's coming to you. I feel like
1: yeah, yeah, karma is a bad, bad thing. Yep, and, I mean, taking it back to Lampard. My love for Frank Lampard has no bounds. Here's the thing. I love Frank Lampard because I've done something you haven't. I've met him. I know. I know. And it's... the funniest thing, it's like it's 1230
0: at night, right? Like it's late at night. Me and my best friend, Christian, we're waiting to get some like shirts signed. We're thinking, ah, it's over. We're going to go home. Out of nowhere, we see Frank, La- uh, Frank Lampard and John Terry come back from a walk like uh, by like by the river in Hoboken. Two of
1: my heroes. And
0: then uh, Gerard, uh, no, no, why did I say Gerard for it? I don't know why. Um, John Terry.
1: <laughs> in, in, in your head, you were thinking, who isn't as good as Lampard? And then you said Gerard. Yeah, that is true. You no know disrespect to Steven Gerard. If there's any chance he ever listens to this. <laughs> Stevie G's great. I mean, he's just no Lampard. But. Yes.
0: Um. Anyway, so it's, it's legitimately, it, it, like, it, even though it was that late at night, he stayed for an additional, I would say, 15, 20 minutes and had a genuine conversation with my friend and I. Like, it was actually insane. Like, I have nothing but respect for that guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, Frank Lampard, John Terry, that whole old guard at Chelsea are a reason I fell in love with the, uh, with the beautiful game. And it's all I do now. But Between running the youth club to, to the soccer shop, to coaching in college, being assistant coach... That Chelsea old guard, I'm very happy for you that you met them. <laughs> I also hate you for it. <laughs> and, you know, Frank Lampard, he's just a gentleman. He's he's someone who you want to see succeed, you know? Yeah. There's always that intense debate between Gerrard and Lampard. And, and Scholes. And, 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 yeah. And don't, Scholes- don't you, don't you dare
0: disrespect Scholesy, bro?
1: Scholesy, yeah, he's fine. Um, he's... <laughs> You know? but like I, I i i'm very happy to see gerard's success with villa you know they he's going to keep them up you know they've they've had some good really good results matches under him you know it's you know to be biased and say i hate Steven gerard because i'm a lampard supporter would be wrong you know i just want to see lampard succeed more than gerard but i mean gerard's right now
0: killing it with villa Mm-hmm. Like they they went on, they went on the bounce and you know granted they've lost their past three games but they had some really tough opponents to come up against and also having like a fragmented side and new signings you had to bet in like Luca Digne and Philippe Coutinho you know granted you're still you're you're still getting great performances from them
1: yeah I mean that's the one thing I love to see from these younger managers retire get into the game. I mean, who would have ever thought we'd see Coutinho playing at Villa? You know, it's it's something I love. Yeah. You know, you now have two. You know, you have Erickson at Brentford, you have Coutinho at Villa. You know, under unusual circumstances that these ha- these transfers happened, but it only adds to the to the allure of the Premier League, where you know you you can show up to Villa Park and watch Philip Coutinho playing for Aston Villa. Yeah, that's Steven Gerrard managing them you know it, it's did, did you
0: see that like supposedly they were trying to bring in like luis suarez on the free yeah. dude reuniting <laughs> reuniting gerard suarez and coutinho crazy back in the premier league but one's managing
1: yeah it's honestly it <sighs> all, all all you're missing there is raheem sterling that's all, that's all you're missing yeah, yeah and which you know wouldn't be so, sur- which wouldn't be too much of a surprise you know um He's being phased out of the Man City team, but
0: rightfully so, in my opinion.
1: oh uh, yeah, that's where we'd have to argue. I think Raheem certainly is so underrated. By... I think he's
0: so overrated. No. I I think he's a he, solid player. He always produces. He look, always I, produces. look, he's a solid player. But you gotta understand, in the England or Man City side, whatever side you put him in, no, like, he what he does best is just finding. It's just picking up space for other people. That's it. When you have like even when Aguero was still at City. Uh, people, people were just focusing on Guerrero Guerro assisting and stuff like that, and Raheem Sterling would just be there. He would, he was, he's not a major contributor. Like if, if we're talking about in comparison to Leroy Sane and Raheem Sterling's time at City, Leroy Sane was the better player at City. It's just that Sterling had more had more minutes. That's all it was.
1: Well, and he also grabbed a lot more goals and because he started more. But you you're guaranteed goals in a City side, yes or no? Uh, yeah, they're 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 one of the most creative teams in the world right now, dude. Right, well, it depends. I mean, I mean, think of it this way: it's been a decade since Raheem Sterling entered the spotlight. Yeah, right. It's been a he's twenty seven years old. He's twenty seven. arguably his best years are yet to come. He's he scores goals, grabs assists for the national team, for Manchester City. He's. Jeff Guardiola is arguably one of the greatest managers to ever manage and and be a coach and be a whatever. He continues to start Raheem Sterling. So for anyone else to say otherwise... Yeah, but if you you
0: look at Raheem Sterling's stats when he first got to City to now, they've all been on a downward downward climb, like bat. Goals and assists going down, pressing numbers going down, passing accuracy going down.
1: But he continues to start for Pep Guardiola, so he's doing something right. So the indirect, inv- his indirect involvement in goals and whatnot, are a difference maker in Guardiola's eyes, I'd imagine. Or, you know, I make I make jokes about Guardiola all the time, but he's created at Manchester City. What people pretend Klopp has created at Liverpool. City competes for everything every year. Yeah. They they've won multiple league titles. But is that down to They're,
0: squad depth or manager ability?
1: Guardiola typically gets it right in the big matches. And how many there's a lot of big matches in the Premier League. Oh, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Guardiola wins a lot of titles. Listen, he hasn't won the well, Champions League yet. I mean, yet.
0: he he choked a big match against a certain team, Premier yeah. League team.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Listen, I I I respect that. But when you look at it, Pep Guardiola hasn't won the Champions League yet. Mhm. They're, they're they're you know, they're always favorites for the Champions League, but I think they win the Prem title this year. You know, they they typically win just about everything. You know, only person that's really stopped them besides Klopp is Chelsea and one of the eighty five managers they they brought in since he's been at City. Yeah. You know, people ask why, you know, he's always rumored, Oh, he's going back to Barcelona or he's going here. He's created arguably one of the greatest sides in the world, depth in every position, competes for every title every year, you know, in arguably the most competitive and best league in the world. So for Guardiola to be anything but a success is a is a lie in my opinion. You know, he's overhyped at times. I I'll, I'll agree with that. But when you look at what he's done He's built a legacy and he's built a kingdom at Manchester City. Now that compounded with the fact that United has faltered since Ferguson left. You know, he's there's a bit of overhype happening over at I Liverpool and Merseyside. You know they've won one Champions League, one Premier League title in what 7 years that Klopp's been there. In 7 years, uh, Guardiola yeah, yeah, hasn't like five league but, titles. But I, I think they have to
0: give credit where credit's due because Liverpool could have won a league for over 30 years. And then Liverpool it was what since 2005 since they last won the Champions League. I yes. mean you, we have to give credit where credit is due and being able to do something that has been done in a long time for a club.
1: Yes, but he but here's the difference. Here here's the difference. This season if City wins the prem title if, if City wins the Premier League title this year, they it's just another season for, for Manchester City. Well, here's my Liverpool how, will how have many, a three-week parade if they wait, win wait, wait, the Premier wait, league How
0: title. many titles does City have? What? How many titles does City have? Premier League titles.
1: No idea off the top of my head. Not
0: as much United, okay? Well, okay.
1: 20, <laughs> 20 league titles. That's all that Is matters, it
0: uh, no, Twenty one. Is it No, it would have been 21 if we didn't choke it when we got second.
1: Okay, well good. I just wanted to hear you say that. Just
0: imagine if Ole actually won the league last year.
1: Yeah. T- <laughs> that that would have been very impressive. But he got second place. Well, listen, and that respectfully so is also very impressive. Honestly. But when you look at it, it's been 6 years since right roughly 6 years since Guardiola came into City and yeah. like just a quick look at the manager, you know, honors he's had. He's won three premier four if you count this year because he's gonna win it this year. He has three prem titles, an FA Cup, four league cups, two FA uh you know community shields, and and he was runners up to arguably the greatest defensive side in Champions League history. Um, Chelsea, thank you, but. Yeah. <laughs> He's won. He's won more trophies in a six-year span than some people win in their entire careers. You know, it's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten trophies. Yeah, tremendous. There was that one. There was that one spell where he he won like four trophies, where he was winning a trophy er, like every like two dozen matches or something like that. Yeah. He was pocketing a trophy. That
0: he's well. Here's the question though: Like City have been a trophy club even before. Pep was there. Is it the only trophy they were missing was a Champions League? So what's the difference now between the between the um, the city that was under like a Mancini or a Pellegrini in, or a Pellegrini in comparison to a Pep Guardiola city?
1: City was a title contender for a very long time. Now they're a title favor every year. I think
0: they were a title favor before that, dude.
1: It would. I'd argue that and say like now f- me being a Chelsea supporter where we f- we compete to an extent every every 2 3 years for a title. You guys are contenders. You know, we're contenders. Yeah. We have to beat City to the title. Liverpool has to beat City to It can be August 1st. Everyone's on zero points. Everyone has to beat City to the title. Yeah. No one has to beat Liverpool, no one has to beat Chelsea. You have to beat City to the title. They have become the gold standard for what a title-winning side is in in the Premier League anyway. It's like it's like in the Bundesliga, you have to beat Bayern Munich to the title. You have to beat you have you have to. There's no other way you get to the title. Yep. You know, in in the Premier League, you have to beat City to the title. You know, now it takes something extraordinary like for example Antonio Conte coming to Chelsea revolutionizing, you know, besides Juve in the Italian national team, no one else played with three center backs in the world. Now, my U16 boys club (laughs) team in the United States comes up to me if we're down at halftime, oh, coach, go to three center backs. That's the solution. (laughs) Now, mind you, I did it this last weekend. We won 2-0, but... You know, it takes something like Antonio Conte coming in revolutionizing English football and arguably the world and bringing three center backs back to uh, you know fruition. And still, the next year, who's the favorite to win the title? It's City again. Yeah. It's always Manchester City. Now, I think that's starting to change a bit. I think that overhype in, over the last couple of years from Liverpool is dying down a bit. You know, it. You don't see every tweet, every article, everything in the world being about how great Liverpool is.
0: <laughs> Sadio Mane is the best player in the
1: world. You are like, <laughs> I, I had, I had one of our friends who's a very biased Liverpool supporter trying to tell me Mohamed Salah is the best player to ever play in the Premier League. Yeah, I almost slapped him.
0: Because like you're disrespecting Wayne Rooney right there, bro. That's like.
1: I mean, <laughs> he's. He was trying to argue all this stuff with me. I'm like, man, I saw him the other day. I'm like, listen, uh. Salah came and beat Sané in in, in a big international match. I mean, listen, Egypt just keeps losing to Senegal. Like, I mean, Mane, I said Sané, Mane. Um, You know, but I think looking at all of the development of Prem, I think it's just going to get more and more competitive starting next season. I think United needs to settle their, you know, settle this whole manager debacle. Uh, It's
0: going to be Ten Hag without a doubt. I don't don't doubt that whatsoever. And then if we're looking
1: at It just depends on what role Ragnick ends up having. uh, He's going to
0: have like a consultant like manager of football type role.
1: So like a Ten Hag wants to come in and revolutionize Manchester United and bring something in that they haven't had since Ferguson. You know there hasn't been fresh ideas at United in decades. You know with Mourinho came in. Everyone knew what you were getting. Everyone knows what you getting with Louis Van Gaal. Who,
0: I, I I sort of missed those days of Louis Van Gaal, bro. And
1: him and him falling on the sideline,
0: freaking out for the FA Cup. Yeah, I I like you, well, but well, the thing is, you could tell he cared about the club. That's the thing. He,
1: yeah, and then he came out and talked bad about them last well, week. <laughs> yeah, because here's the thing.
0: You can care about Manchester United and the fans and stuff, but you, you, you don't have to care about the board. That's every United fan. Yeah, we no, don't care about the board.
1: I, I love I love Louis van Gaal. I think he's great. Well, and I feel bad. He, he, he recently got diagnosed with cancer or something. I've yeah,
0: he sure. has something going on, sadly.
1: Uh, yeah, wishing him the best. But he uh, yeah, no Louis van Gaal as a character. Um, A lot of these United managers they've brought in since have been, you know, like... Like, Solskjaer, let's be real. Okay, look. Like, When's what, what the next time he's going to get a big manager job anywhere?
0: Like, he was meant to be a caretaker manager, and I love Olay, but he was never going to be seen as the guy who takes us to the next level. Like, as soon as last season ended, it was tough not to give him that extension, that chance, because of how far he brought the team. But sadly, if you do that, you need someone, like how they do it at AC Milan or at Ajax, who is a footballing brain at the helm, controlling the transfers and how players come in. Like, that, like
1: that's what you need. Well, so, easiest comparison would probably be Chelsea with Roberto Di Matteo, who everyone forgets about, was our manager when, when we won the Champions League in 2012. Oh, yeah, and then he got sacked. Him and Abramovich are hugging it out and jumping and celebrating in Munich in 2012. Starts in August. By December, he's been sacked and replaced. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you look at it. I think the only team to go through more managers is Watford. Oh, my God. They, yeah, went, they, through,
0: they went through three this season alone. Three.
1: It feels like half a dozen at least. They, they're oh, <laughs> they worse than Chelsea is at this point. They
0: which... that got a few decent results, one lo- lost, like, one game. Oh, we're bringing in Roy Hodgson. What's up, Roy? How you doing? Oh,
1: my. And Roy Hodgson's a character all on his own. Um...
0: Just real quick, you are listening top of the hour, WMSC Upper Montclair.
1: And you know, getting to the, the all these managers and stuff is, as a Chelsea supporter, we have our fair share of guys coming in and out, coming in again, leaving again. Um, when it comes to when when it comes to someone like a Thomas Tuchel. It's so hard not to love this man as a Chelsea supporter. Like he said he would get in a seven passenger van and drive the team to a game if that if that's what it meant for him to be in charge of, of Chelsea at a Champions League match. Yeah.
0: I mean the the guy he he loves the team. I I don't doubt that whatsoever.
1: That brings flashbacks to when I had to drive a van around New York City to pick up players. In my first year as an assistant coach at City College of oh, New York, I, I thought you were talking about
0: like when I used to be one of your players when oh, you, when you drove a whole even bunch that, of us down like, to South Jersey. I,
1: I still do that, I still do that. It'll be match day, and we'll we'll be like an hour and a half away for a match or even a tournament, and and thank God my mom has you know the the Mercedes the R class that has the three rows. My mom's I feel like, like, hey, you're trying to flex real quick. Yeah, the Mercedes. The no, R-class. no, it's an older one, but thank I know, God I know, it's th- I it's three rows, <laughs> right and. It's three rows, and I can, like, roll in and, like, pick up half dozen players. Like, our parents can't drive us. No, your parents don't want to drive you. (laughs) Not that they can't.
0: No, but also also fitting in three ball bags and, like, all the pennies and the cones.
1: Cases of water and (laughs) snacks. And, like, you're going to a tournament. It's like you're going on a month vacation for two or three days. Yeah. Because you worry about having granola bars and having drinks and having X, Y, and Z for players after matches. And... Like that's T- Thomas Tuchel is my spirit animal. <laughs> it's your spirit. You know, as much as I might be a disciple of the Mourinho
0: era and stuff like, like that, just
1: everything. I love I love Mourinho. Um, Mourinho what, aroma, dude. What he what he said the other day in the press conference was brilliant. He he. Oh, you're gonna go that easy on me? Why why are you guys so tough in the papers, but 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 nice and calm when you're here? Like, you gotta you gotta love that. Yeah. But like Tuchel, he's. He's a tracksuit vest wearing kind of manager and listen that's what I'm all about. I I'm, I'm no Guardiola in a, in a scarf that's bigger than a winter coat around <laughs> you know in in 55 degree weather. Thomas Tuchel there was there's nothing I would give more than to see him at Chelsea for a decade. If he stays at Chelsea for a decade, we win another half dozen prime Champions League titles, not e of each together over the next decade with him. He is He gets it right in the big games, you know. Last thing
0: you you don't really find a long term manager anymore with a lot of clubs. Like everything is just like a two to three season rotation, and that's it.
1: But the most successful clubs in 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 England, for example, look at Guardiola and Klopp. Yeah, they've they've been there for six and seven years, roughly. Um, They've had that; they're the most stable clubs in England competing that's, for that's, titles that's what you need like a
0: United Ferguson, Ferguson was 27 and a half years at Manchester United
1: yeah and since then you know they they're always it's like walking on thin ice if you're a United manager you know you're not going to get the time you're not Mourinho pulled off a spectacle in, in what he was able to achieve with the squad he had at United and, second place same thing as Ole you know and it's like yeah but don't, don't compare slow, <laughs> don't, slow shot to Mourinho <laughs> Um, you know, but it's, I I just find it very incredible that there isn't more clubs that look to give them the time. I would take a year with no champions league football to keep Thomas Tuchel and to give him time. Now, luckily we're we're fortunate enough to be in third place. We're going to secure that. Where the holders, having only conceded not even half a dozen goals last year well, in the here's campaign, the question.
0: Are you worried what happens with the new owner coming in? Because, like, with Roman Abramovich, Chelsea really had this, like, brevity to themselves where they could just do whatever they want in the transfer market or buy or do everything they want with contracts and take those risks. What do you think happens with the next manager that comes in? I mean, next owner that so comes I'm in? So,
1: I'm an optimist. Um, does me dirty sometimes. But... Yeah. I look at it and say, I believe that whoever does get to buy Chelsea Football Club is going to be able to maintain the standards we've been at. And let's be real. At this point, we put out some of the best youth players in the world. You know, Ajax, Barca, Chelsea, at this point, are all in the same regard. Look look at our players across, across the world. You know, look at Tammy in Roma.
0: Yeah.
1: Well... Tammy at
0: Roma, is it because he's thriving under Mourinho's system or is it because he's finally blossoming as a player?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. And you know, he, he Roma's a great club. Mourinho's a great manager, and I think Tammy's a great player.
0: I mean here's the thing, we've seen this with a former Chelsea player before going to Italy and, and killing it. And then coming and maybe coming back and then not hitting the mark as much.
1: Lukaku, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be nice. He Used to
0: be a United player. I was trying to be nice.
1: Lukaku's been a, has been a tremendous wreck at Chelsea, well, and I had all the biggest hope in the world for this man, but he well, doesn't. So do I. Himself.
0: But no. But the but also the issue is he doesn't fit how Chelsea wants to play.
1: Agreed entirely. But he makes the situation worse when. Oh yeah, when he goes on interview. <laughs> listen, you like I have to be nice because I don't want listeners to. Hear profanity, so I'm, well, I, they're I,
0: not allowed to hear profanity. I, I Don't maybe use the dump button.
1: No, no, no. I'm listen. I'm I'm behaving with what I'm going to say <laughs> about Lukaku. I'm going to behave. Thank you. Okay. Don't go around saying all the all, all this crazy stuff about wanting to be an intern and whatnot. When you just signed the deal for Chelsea. And, and, just in and, Inter. And, and, and the, <laughs> the Inter, president,
0: Inter president comes like, oh, we don't need him. We have Ed and Jekyll. We're fine. We have money off of him. We're okay. Imagine
1: being Lukaku, having that interview, and then looking, and, and looking at what? Jekyll's, what, 37 years old? Like, yeah, we replaced you with a free transfer. We brought Jekyll in. He's just doing the same thing you were doing. <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: just, it, the, the well, I I enter Milan. All you just need is someone to work off of Lautaro Martinez, and you're fine.
1: It's at Chelsea, Lukaku was great in those in the counterattacks, being able to quick, be decisive, be a big target. Well, here's the
0: thing: like Lukaku, I say this every time about him, and no one understands. He is basically a weird left wing, but is a striker. He he likes working on the left side of the pitch. Running down open amount of space, taking as big of a touch as he can, out sprinting, out bodying everybody, and ripping a shot at goal. That's the Lukaku way. That's all he does.
1: Yeah, and at Chelsea, it's never gonna happen because no. we every team we play just sits back. I mean, Chelsea, it would happen under Mourinho. If it was a Mourinho
0: Chelsea, he'd thrive.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And but realistically speaking, even Mourinho at Roma now, the world game has evolved into this. Everyone's all about. Moving the ball, having the ball, attack, 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 you know all the big sides. Yeah. You know, Atleti is arguably the only side that really sits back still, and you know they do it for reasons that, you know, they don't have the attraction for big name players well, and whatnot. And listen, now don't don't get me wrong; they're reigning champs in La Liga. I'm not gonna argue that.
0: I think they also have one of the better, like I think depth-wise, they have one of the the teams that have some of the better depth within their team.
1: Yeah, but you, if you go watch an Atleti game, you you are not gonna recognize like half half a dozen names on the roster. Oh, yeah. You know, the matchday squad. There is gonna be a half dozen guys you are gonna look at and go, "Who the heck are these people?" Yeah, but they're recruiting at Atletico Madrid. Tremendous. They do a very good, listen, they brought Suarez in and, set, and, and then turned around and won the title with him. So. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, but they also brought in Jao Felix for over $100 million, so.
1: But they also won the title last year, so hey. Yeah, I mean. And listen, and they, they won the race for Felix, so that says Diego Simeone. If you want somebody. He's, he's been there for a decade at Atleti. He's done a, a better job at Atletico Madrid than... Most managers have done anywhere. Than anyone's so, done anywhere. Wait, listen
0: to this. So, do you know that like all the Atletico, Real Madrid, Barcelona players, there's basically this gated community where all of them basically live. Like all these high profile people in Spain live. And I was because I was listening to this on the True Majority podcast with Kieran Trippier, and it turns out that like Kieran Trippier like lived in the house in front of like Diego Simeone, and like Diego Simeone would be like on his bike, like driving around. He see see a few players, say hi. Like, on the pitch, he seems like this, like, you know, hard guy who's, like, always, like, locked in and yelling. But then, like, he's always just, like... I
1: I haven't (laughs) seen that. And you know what? I might have to say, like... Listen, I love D.A.S. But he might be part of my spirit animal, too, in that case. (laughs) There'll be a moment where I'm clowning around with my players. And the next time, time, uh, they think I'm going to kill them. Now, just for reference, I've never killed any of my players. (laughs) Okay. There is
0: no actual killing. There's um, no
1: and, and no kind of abuse or homicide that occurs <laughs> amongst my, my teams. No,
0: no one is harmed yeah. physically.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, but like he's someone who like clearly his pla Everyone loves Diego Simeone. I've never found a person that doesn't like him. Yeah. Diego Simeone is a cult hero at Atlet- Atletico Madrid. Um, I. Think he's amazing, and I've never heard or seen a video, an interview, a podcast, anything where every every player that's played for Simeone loves him. Yeah. Only only complaints I've seen is he's too intense. <laughs> I can understand that. Like supposedly, I, I'm trying to figure out where it was, but I, I remember reading or watching something about his fitness coach, just, just oh, this, yeah. this older Argentinian I, I guy, whoever it is. <laughs> He goes, yeah. Diego told me to kill them in preseason. <laughs> we just ran up mountains, like, oh shoot, like that is the what I expect from like I expect them to be like at a construction site moving cinder blocks in preseason. Or
0: they'll be like, um, what's it called in the uh, in the cement mixer
1: in there and actually like. moving Oh, whatever that themselves. movie's from. No, oh, it's man. from Cobra Kai, bro. Oh, from he... Cobra Kai. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but like I, I I envision a Simeone preseason to toughen up players being. You see this building? We're demoing it with what? Our hands.
0: I, I I sort of feel like it's like the Navy SEAL test. That's what like a, a Simeone preseason
1: is. I, I think the Navy SEAL test is probably an appetizer for a Simeone expects from people. Like he's he's intense. Yeah. You know he uh, but that's why everyone loves him. You know El Cholo, right? That's uh his nickname. Yeah. I think he is someone who you need to bring in. To like um, picture this. Imagine the England national team had no. Just picture it for a moment. Imagine Di- Diego Simeone being the manager of an English national team. Yeah. Or even at United, and somebody oh, starting you... to boo Maguire, Simeone grabbing a chair from the bench and throwing it into the stands. <laughs> you know. Or like imagine like Harry Maguire scoring an own goal, and we're like coming off the field upset. And Simeone just knocking him out, like he, he
0: sub him off and then just like slap him,
1: like and like look at him and like just just drop him. Yeah, and Harry Maguire is not a small guy. Like Simeone would walk up to him, Simeone's forehead being maybe to the chest of Maguire, turning around and like like threatening his life or something. Yeah. Like that is what would bring United or England back to life. Honestly, Simeone threatening everyone. <laughs> Not, not just the players, not just everyone.
0: No, it's not. It's not having a good environment with the players, everyone like each other. It's just like all out war. That's it.
1: No, That's everything. It's it's Simeone versus all. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, every day of the week, it's Simeone versus Manchester United. But then for ninety minutes during match day, it's United and Simeone versus the world. But as soon as the final whistle blows, you see him like chasing his players around the pitch, like <laughs> like kicking their butt. Like Simeone is what bring like that passion he brings yeah. reminds me of like Antonio Conte at Chelsea when we won the title that year with Conte like he was jumping on top of, of the bench areas and stuff on on like the on the little shelters and like tearing things apart like that is the kind of passion i think i think football has become very calculated yeah it's mu- it's very much you been know, a numbers game lately it's all about everyone being these tactical geniuses and stuff i have no problem with teams winning just because they have more heart than the other team does. That's the one thing that you can't account that, for statistically. We're
0: literally talking about Brentford versus Chelsea. That's what it yeah, was.
1: Yeah, listen. and You can have a favorite on paper. You can have who's ever this or who's ever that. The one thing statistics don't account for is your heart and passion. I've said this a million times to all my teams. Mm-hmm. We went in. I mentioned it earlier. We won a match 2-0 last week on my U 2005, U17s. We got promoted. In our in our league, we're in a higher division, and we sit there at halftime. It's nil nil, and I turned to them, and I'm like, "Listen, guys, it, it's been a good match. On paper, on everything, you guys are pretty. It, you know, it's a stalemate. The only thing that's going to account for is, is the heart and passion you guys put into the second half. We made a couple tactical changes, three center backs. We went into a 3 five, uh three-four-three. Three, you know, played the, like, two 10s behind the 9 and stuff. Oh, it was brilliant. Um, kids had no idea what we were doing, but it worked. <laughs> uh, no, in, in case any of them ever listen to this, because I'm going to reshare this on my social media. And they will, they're going to go listen to it. So, like, oh my it, god, coach talked about us. No, no you, yeah, yeah, coach talked about us so, all. Him, him, tell him, my him and coach already. All my players hearing this or that will ever hear this. I don't like you guys. Now,
0: uh, like, like me, please. I'd like to come back and be your <laughs> coach. <Thank> you.
1: <laughs> but like they, they went out and pulled out with two, no victory. Kid Piotr scored two goals. Oh, Piotr. But it Plus. was like a brilliant second half display full of heart and passion. You know, Simeone would would have, would have shook my hand at the end, at the end of the match and would have hugged my players if he had seen you know, the way they pulled off a result. But that's... like I told my players, those are the kind of games as a as a youth coach that I live for. Mm-hmm. The games that get decided on the little things. Blowing a team out 10-0. Getting blown out 10-0. All of that does nothing for... It doesn't do anything for anyone. You know, nobody enjoys it. Listen, the kid who plays up top scores... T- half a dozen goals and stat pad uh, pads his stats I mean and, and turns around and texts his mom hey I scored six goals today congratulations you played a team that's like when Chelsea like in the first round or, or whatever the third or fourth round of the FA Cup draws like non-league Town. I don't think is non-league I think they're league two now but no offense to uh um, or it was
0: like when like Real Madrid like drew Sheriff um, yeah. and Sheriff brought the upset you know
1: well yeah but you know like if you go beat up on a team whatever it's it's great and all. Sure, congrats. Now, Brentford beating up on Chelsea is a different story. <laughs> but it means something more. You know, it's a lot more impressive when you can pull out a victory against a team. Well, Two weekends ago, we played a side. We beat 1-0. We were the dominant side. Had a bad match. And beat them 1-0. The performance we had last weekend... If we played that first team again, we'd probably beat them by a dozen goals. Mm-hmm. I left that match and had really nothing to say. Like, yeah, we if we put our chances away, we we beat them by a dozen goals. Great. Yeah,
0: I I know exactly what you are talking about. Like, I, I've I've mean, luckily this past like you know couple months or so. I've had I've been fortunate enough to work with your teams and stuff. I know what team you're talking about and. These boys I I've, I've explained it to them so many times like it's not the question of ability with you it's the question of whether or not you get out of your head or not because a lot of the times they like you you see it themselves they overthink a lot and if, if they just like tone it down just like you know cleared their heads and just like played the game they, they would be they would be so much more
1: clear you know and I I agree and I think that's one of the big struggles that players face across every level but more or less the youth players uh, you know, I know this has now become a youth soccer talk. Well, it, 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 oh. it, this
0: is match week. It's anything and everything.
1: You know, I think youth players at times struggle because of technology and social media and everything. They see everything that's happening around the world and how how all their friends and how everyone is doing. And, you know, they're, it's always full of over exaggerations about everyone's success and this. And, oh, yeah. if I don't score goals this weekend, I'm a horrible player because my friend scored three goals for xyz club united or whatever you know like it's i think social media and and technology while it has made life easier in certain aspects has made life a little more stressful um you know but listen we're two and oh on on the season so i'm not gonna complain we pulled six points from six so you know going into this weekend where we have two matches this weekend you know it's when you are able to win a match on an off day and compete when you're not putting all your chances away that's that's what champions are made of you know when Chelsea's not winning the Prem title this year why because against a lot of those smaller matches where they should be pulling results like Brentford no no disrespect to Brentford Chelsea should be beating Brentford comfortably yeah you know, all of Chelsea's losses this year have come against teams, or or draws anyway, have come against teams they should be beating. My, my, now, my argument is that that was the Eden Hazard effect at Chelsea, where all these close matches, Eden Hazard was always the difference maker. Well, I mean, a lot of these times, let's say
0: earlier in the season, you were suffering through injury droughts of whether it was a Christian Pulisic who has been seen to have that type of effect on Chelsea lately, or... Whether it's, you know, Timo Werder just not scoring a goal when he's right in front and it's a wide open net. Or whether it's Lukaku who's just, like, not hitting his stride.
1: That, well, I think a big loss, honestly, has simply been Chilwell and Rhys James for a long period. I mean, Chilwell for the season yeah. and Rhys James. I mean,
0: because sadly, like, like, look, Marcus Alonso, I think he thrives in any other league. But he's just not a Premier League player,
1: or just as a number nine. Now, as, or as expect, a number so, nine, probably. Yeah. I think Alonso is a great player to have, where you need to change things up in a, uh, once in a while, or you're gonna play a team like, you know, like a Burnley who's gonna sit back on you. Yeah. Um, you know, and essentially, pull Alonso, at left wing back, he's playing forward. Yeah. You know, he's someone's gonna be dangerous in and around the box, in the air with the ball at his feet, whipping a uh, whipping a dangerous cross. When it comes to Chelsea having played their best football. Under Tuchel, it comes with Chilwell and Reese James being in the lineup. Yeah. You know, it's... Now, and there, there's no disrespect to any of the other players. You know, th- that that's just that's just fact. You know, they are the best two players for Chelsea's current style of play. Losing them has been very tough. You know, now, luckily they'll be back. You know, Reese James is back now. Chilwell will be back eventually. Um, honestly, but I'm, I'm just worried at Chelsea. I mean, it, it looks like we're just giving players away. Rudiger and Christensen are on their way out. I'm trying to figure out who's playing center back at Chelsea next <laughs> season. Uh, I mean, listen, I'm available on a free transfer, but I, I I barely make the cut for a 7v7 team that we play with on Sunday nights. Okay,
0: uh, okay you know what? I'm going to take a quick five minutes to ask you a question. I leave the game at halftime. I score us a goal to get us 2-1 up. Explain to me how we concede three goals.
1: Oh, you scored! It was clearly an off night. <laughs> you know, it was it just wasn't. It was. It was just. It was just one of those nights where nothing. You shoot, and the ball's rolling towards an empty net, and it's like a gust of wind blows it, blows it wide. <laughs> like it was one of those kind. Of, now, not that that happened, but it was just one of those nights. I cried myself to sleep. That night. <laughs> listen, I.
0: You you slept well that night. I I, know I, you know.
1: I sleep well every night. Um. It, it it was tough. It was tough, and uh, now I know the guys that we play with will be listening to this at one point or another, and I won't let them know. They let they let us down. They did. We both, right.
0: we, we were the goal scorers. What were yes. they? What were they?
1: I played center back, and I had to score from half.
0: That was a fil- that was. We
1: fil- we couldn't score tap that night. I
0: I'm oh, well, you, I, I'm 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 Mr. Tap-in, well, by here's the way Well,
1: you're the thing like that hit You put your foot through that ball. I, I thought I thought, you, I thought you were about to rip the net off. off uh, the hey, goal post. better safe than like, sorry. Yeah, no, listen, it's, I, I I have, I have no words to describe that, but, you know, luckily I made a decision a long time ago, you know, now that I'm at the old age of 26, <laughs> I made a decision a long time ago that I wasn't going to play seriously. That's you know, how, that's how crazy it is, dude, like,
0: think about it, like, I'm 22, you're 26, and, like, yet there's a Jude Bellingham who, like, debuted for England at 17,
1: And and you know what, like, how old is Jude now, 18?
0: Yeah, I think he's just turned eight, like, he's like 18 and a half or something.
1: Right, yeah, so he's a 2004. What are the odds Jude Bellingham would want to come guest play with my (laughs) 2004 team in a tournament or something? Hey, you
0: never know, bro.
1: I mean, considering he's a professional, I'm not sure if that would be allowed. Like, we could totally get Jude Bellingham carded. (laughs) And, like, listen, I can't pay his wages. I, I can buy him lunch or something. Just 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 tell him it's like a make a wish. We'll give yeah. we'll, we'll give him <laughs> he'll do it. we'll we'll give him some like uh we'll give him some like free club apparel or something and he can like make an appearance. <laughs> you know, like you know how in, like those Sunday league matches where like Kaka is now playing non league in England or wherever he oh, is. Yeah. <laughs> like you imagine rolling showing strolling up to an EDP uh premiere game and like Jude Bellium is warming up on the <laughs> But like, I dude, would pack up and did leave.
0: You, did you see him at, like, 16 playing in, like, the England Under-23 World Cup? And, like, he looks like a fully developed Clarence Sadorf? It's insane. He was
1: a man amongst children. <laughs> yeah. When Age-wise, he was a child. He was only to be their sons.
0: Oh, my God, man.
1: He is an... But, like... Maybe maybe I'll, I'll send him a tweet or something, see if he wants to come guest play. Like, like next time he's not picked for, like, an international break or something, or maybe, like, this summer while he's on vacation. Oh, dude, dude, dude,
0: we'll do a charity match, but it's, like, an EDP flight game.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, it'll be, like, a state cup final or something. <laughs> like, hey, man, come play in this charity match. Don't worry, just enjoy yourself. Only score a hat trick. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he gets subbed on, scores a hat trick, and we still lose by seven goals. No, 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 <laughs> no. Um, but like he's, he's one of those players that's so much fun. To, there's so many young English players. You know, we talk. We've been we've been talking a lot about the prem today. I mean Conor Gallagher. He's he's unreal, and the fact that you mentioned a Chelsea, player like that. I, but is...
0: No, but like I don't care if it's Chelsea or not. Conor Gallagher has been going super nova this season. Well, you have to. Um. Then, then <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on. Uh, you have to. You have to turn the knob right there. That's the volume for your headphones. I
1: is that what that is? Yeah, the
0: the, the the above you, right there, next to the stand. Hold on, look forward, right there. You see, you see the silver oh, thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh wow. Yeah.
1: Look at that. I've just been wearing these, headf- these head, <laughs> this headset for no reason for the last hour and a half.
0: Oh, um, uh, welcome to Match way? Week. Welcome to Match Week, guys. Uh, but yeah, like totally. Someone like Conor Gallagher has just been going supernova this season.
1: He, being a Chelsea supporter. Um, I know I've said that eighty-five times during this. really? really you support Chelsea? So,
0: I had no idea.
1: The license plate covers on my car don't say it. <laughs> um, Connor Gallagher is an animal. Billy Gilmore, I I love Billy Gilmore. Yeah, Billy. Have, I don't. I
0: don't know what's been going on with him at uh, at Norwich. He's been like keep phased in and out of that team. Like so, I guess it's just that team as a whole because you have someone like Brandon Williams who's supporting him as well who's yeah. been also been playing well for that team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I look at Connor Gallagher, Billy Gilmore. Mm-hmm. We have Mason Mount. We have Kai Havertz. We have Christian Pulisic. We we have Rhys James, Chilwell. I wish we had Tamori and Gahey. Oh,
0: my God. Did you let Gehe go for $20 million? As opposed possible to
1: the, that. If, if it's true and there are buyback clauses for Tamori and Yeah, but that's such a Chelsea thing. There's always a buyback clause for somebody.
0: <laughs> like, there'll, there'll be this guy who, like, they signed out to, like, the Indian third league in, like, random of East, like, Bumble. And somehow Chelsea will have, like, a 500 grand buyback clause just in case.
1: And half the time, the really good players, they have the buyback clause and they don't even execute it. So what's the point of even having it? <laughs> yeah, like, we had it with Torgan Hazard, who's for a an animal... Such a good player. And like, nah, we're okay. <laughs> we don't need him. And then he goes to Dortmund. Uh, you know, he's God. my hope, once again being this optimist that c- comes back to bite me in the butt sometimes, is we're letting Rudiger Christensen go because we have buybacks on Tamori Gahey <laughs> and we're gonna and we're gonna pair them with Silva Malangsar, who I no comment. Trevor Chalaba and then Chalaba like having them like Gehi Tomori is a solid back line throw Silva in there for a back three is, it, it is solid it's quality okay. you know however knowing Chelsea they've done a couple brilliant things lately so I have a feeling that we're going to go through a period where Chelsea center backs mirror Harry Maguire I don't, know. I don't know if they can go
0: that extreme.
1: But okay, so real quick. <laughs> That's off a cliff. So here's the thing. We've been talking England and
0: Premier League nonstop. Here's the question I have. USA, World Cup. What does it look like for us? Oh, man. It's either going to be very good or very bad. I, here's the thing. I think it's going to be very good, and here's why. When you have players coming up like Josh Sargent, at Norwich Yes or, or you have You know A Christian Pulisic A Gio Reyna uh, Tyler Adams Weston McKinney Sergene Des DeAndre Yedlin Eunice uh, Musa, Eunice Musa, Tim Weah bo- Both different Robinsons The the center
1: back Robinson yes. For Atlanta Miles And, and Anthony. the left back I love Have you seen Robinson The left back He wears his shin guards Like a second grader Like he wears them <laughs> All the way down on, on like the top of his foot and then and then he goes on these eighty five yard runs sort of, like, it's tremendous. He plays with like, with like this childish enthusiasm when he play. I just love it. It's, yeah, but like
0: you see how like I I dude I th- I don't know if you realize this but there was one game where there was a professional player who had the smallest shin guard you'll ever see and the other sock it was like a it was like a, a roll of tape. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, listen, God bless him if that's what works for them. I mean, I just looking at this United United States national team right now, the men's national team. I just wonder how Burhalter is going to get all these players into the same team. Well,
0: here's the thing you have to pull out all stops like I think sadly in the past it's either been players who play outside the MLS haven't gotten call-ups or there hasn't been that much of an MLS utilization vice versa. You really have to just get the best players possible. Like the, the issue is we make it way too political with how we pick players for the, the national team. It's just got to yeah. be cut and dry. We see X, Y, and Z players. We see how phenomenal they are, and we just
1: go with it. And and don't get me wrong. There are some players in the MLS that are good players for the national team. I'm a huge Aaron Long fan. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, not just because I'm also a, a New York Red Bull supporter. Um, Shout out, Arjun. Yes, sir. And that the fact that we're at Montclair State University, home of Red Bull 2. Yeah. Um, which which is also hosting the second round of the U.S. Open Cup match tonight between FC Motown and AC Syracuse Pulse. Oh, the replay, right? No, no. The, they won the replay. Oh, they? <laughs> they won the replay after that crazy show. But Montclair State is also home to FC Motown right now. So, who, hold on. Just
0: give some clarification for the listeners who don't know. So... FC Motown is a semi-professional team, and when they played the
1: one game... The first round of the US Open yeah. Cup, guy comes up. From my understanding, don't get... Correct us if we're wrong, please. Reach out. Yeah. It's actually... I have a text from the Motown owner asking me for ball boys, if any of my players or ball girls. If any of them want to be ball boys or ball girls tonight at the game. It can't but, be uh, match week listeners. Man.
0: You just have to wear match week apparel. That is
1: yeah. <laughs> Um. So... In their first match, they play Westchester from PA, who, phenomenal club, and supposedly a player gets hurt, gets subbed off, and then miraculously just <laughs> pulls the guy that came on for him back off and goes back into the game. <laughs> like, just decides, like, hey, I'm good, I'm going back on. Like, that's not how soccer works. No, not at not the same professional level, no. You know, no, like, the U.S. Open Cup, for those who don't know, any of the listeners that don't know, is... What the FA Cup and the Copa del Rey are in in Spain and the uh, Premier League in England. It, that's what the U.S. Open Cup is. Yeah. It's long historic cup competition, and Motown had to replay. They lost the first round, replayed it one one nil. I believe it was a late Ryan Peterson goal that won the match. But tonight they play AC Syracuse mm-hmm. Pulse, who I believe are professional side, in Nisa. Um so I mean talk about um, talk about being a hub for soccer here in North Jersey. Montclair's killing it, man. Yeah. And you know, I say that with all of my other apparel on from my from the college I worked at.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing it's crazy cuz like if you look at Montclair's intramural league, you know,
1: like <laughs> I heard they have some real studs playing in the league. Did you not see top goal scorer right now, man? Is that you? No comment. Oh, man, never mind. Now, <laughs> um you know so going back to the national team, <laughs> I think there are some very good players in MLS. However, you can't tell me that McKinney, Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, for example, yeah, aren't are are three starting center midfielders going into the, into the uh, World Cup now. If there's going to be a couple changes for some other players for tactical reasons, injury I mean, reasons, if, if we're sure. gonna talk
0: about a midfield three. Midfield three is guaranteed McKinney, Adams, and Reyna.
1: Reyna also plays out wide at times, doesn't he? Yeah,
0: but he uh, he, he thrives more at, as a central cam, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, once again, like this all also all depends on what burhalter decides to do for the formation. Oh, yeah, he gets, just decides to go, like, 3-5-1-2 or something. So, like. sort, <laughs> so, sort of like with the boots he wears, uh, you know, the shoes he wears, not boots. He doesn't wear boots. He wears normal Trainers, as they call them in England, yeah. he wears normal shoe sneakers. You can never predict what kind of what kind of Nikes he's wearing on on match day. You can't predict what lineup he's gonna put out. But like Eunice Musa is bossing La Liga. Yeah, M- McKinney Adams, you know, getting Reyna Pulisic, and I mean, who are you to put up top? But Waya up top maybe. I mean, it depends. I I I think it has to be a
0: combo of Waya and Sergeant. I, I I like if we're gonna talk about a player who can handle. Pressure, yeah. I, I think Josh Sargent is and the he, one,
1: and he's so much fun to watch,
0: isn't I he? I know, like he, he, like he, Such he looks a good looks like. Uh, here's the thing, right? It's like you look at him and like he has that like sort of like it's like as if you're watching your kid playing high school. Look, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah. He, he, he just seems so like innocent, like he's like a good, he's a good guy, you know? Yeah. Um, and then it's Sergio Des has to start at right back if it's not the De- if it's not him or it's the the Andre Yedlin.
0: If we want both of them, Dest has been playing left back a lot of the season in the La Liga. Yeah, even though I do love Anthony Robinson. So do I. But I mean, it, it depends. I think it just depends on the game. But personally, I do not see a U.S. side where we just don't have DeAndre Yedlin. Like, granted, yes, he's, he's been at Galatasaray lately, not at Newcastle anymore. But, but God,
1: that's right. They, 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 he just played against Barcelona in the in Europa League. You know? that's he, no small feat. He's,
0: but he's still one of the best right backs we have. In fact, the right, best right back. If, I I just don't see how we find a way. Like we're sort of in a conundrum. Who do you start?
1: No, I, I I agree. No, I agree wholeheartedly. Now you know when I look at it, I kind of think. You know what are the other. You know, what are the other kind, you know, changes we can make to the national team? Right now, we we seem to have a our our center backs Miles Robinson, whoever else they decide to play back there, you know. But then you have some players who shout out to New, New Jersey native Matt Miazga. Yeah. Yeah, he was at Chelsea. He spent some time in the Netherlands. Um, he's he's right down the road in Cliff from Clifton here in North Jersey. He's currently at Deportivo Alaves in. La spit in La Liga, yeah. yeah, they're like at the bottom of the league. Yeah, but still, he's he was—he's he's, playing—he's—he's he's training at the La Liga level every day. But also, when you have someone like Matt
0: Miazga, he was the best center back when he was playing in the MLS. Mm-hmm. And then now he's applying his trade elsewhere. So wouldn't you much rather want someone like that?
1: Yeah, no, I and, and he and he also hates our rivals Mexico more than anyone else does. <laughs> so. You know that, that uh, but he also
0: has that prior experience with someone like Aaron Long, who were they were teammates for the
1: longest time. So, would you much rather have that chemistry in the back line? I mean, for personally, I mean, I look at it and think the national team for me is kind of wonky. Yeah. Because you have all these different players, and listen, at the end of the day, it all comes down to who. Greg Burhalter wants to start and play. You know, now Zimmerman Robinson backline pairing isn't the worst thing in the world. Don't get me wrong, they're good, you know, they're good players. It's yeah. fine. I prefer Aaron Long. Um but I don't know. It's that's maybe the one position on the field where I'm not certain certain that we have you know, the the kind of quality that's going to help us out of a group stage at the World Cup. With well, no disrespect to those players. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you just look at the quality everywhere else on the pitch. You know, at the end of the day, though, I think, you know, I have faith, you know, if it's a Walker Zimmerman and a Miles Robinson partnership at, at center back or uh, Aaron Long. Well, here's the, there,
0: they're going to have some security in goal, no? Because you're going to have someone like Zach Steffen.
1: Yeah, it's Stefan or Horvath. I mean, listen, they.
0: It, it's gonna be Stefan. I mean, for someone who's training with at a, with Man City nonstop, like you got to understand that level of training with someone like Ederson, who's considered one of the best in the world, I think that can't be you know like put to the side because he's not playing as much.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I look at a Zach Stefan and think, listen, he plays all the cup games for City. Doesn't he? Yeah, he anyway? plays every single FA Cup. He, he care plays... about cup game. So it's not like he's not playing at all. Um, you know, but then you you still have Jonathan Brooks to look at. You know, he... Brooks is in the Bundesliga stuff. Yeah, Wolfsburg
0: still, or he should have moved You now.
1: know, and looking at him, you know, John Brooks you'd have to say it would take extraordinary measures for him not to start at the World Cup yeah it'd have to be an injury or but then again a Harry Maguire run of form then has he been called up recently um no that's a good question I'm, I'm, because I'm not, he was he
0: was a part of that run where when they lost to uh, Trinidad and Tobago when they cost themselves the 2018 World Cup so I don't know if He's going to bring him back after that letdown.
1: Yeah, I mean... Looking at... A depth chart from... And this is going to be a shout-out to (laughs) ChasingACup.com. John Brooks, Wolfsburg. Chris Richards from Bayern. Mark McKenzie's at Genk. Yeah. Now, Miles Robinson we spoke about from Atlanta. Matt Miazga is in there as well. Um, Eric Palmer, Brown. James Sands, who... He, I, I know not, he plays the six sometimes, but him at center back isn't isn't the end of the world. I just don't. It's think just he imagine like in there.
0: being in La Liga. You have like a uh, Jose like, a uh, Henrico, and then like you have like uh, a da- that David Alves, and out of nowhere it's like, and then Matt Miazga.
1: It's yeah, like- <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I I can't remember the last time he played for uh. The national team, Matt Miazga.
0: I think it was the, what was it? It was the Olympics, no, when he got the red card?
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. I mean, for me, one of my personal favorites who I think is so, so, you know, undervalued at times is, like, the experience that someone like a Tim Ream brings to the national team. Yeah. A lot of young guys, a lot of quality, yeah. But also a lot of inexperience to an extent. Tim Ream has been at Fulham playing the Prem in the championship for as long as I can remember. Yeah. You know, I've never understood how you bypass a player like that. You know.
0: It's politics, dude. I I feel like that's the biggest issue with the United States national team. Like, with England and all of them, it's a different level of politics. Because, like, the FA has some say in X, Y, and Z. But... With the US, it really is like, you know, uh, like who's 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 type of ordeal.
1: Yeah. I mean, and if if you look at it, right, over the last decade, Tim Ream has made nearly 350 appearances for Bolton and Fulham. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, he, him along with Geoff Cameron, when he was. That's a name in, I haven't in, heard in his prime. Like. I I loved Geoff Cameron. He was one of the first players I always bought in FIFA career mode. Him and Tim Ream, like they were always
0: they're the wombo combo. Come on.
1: You know, like you're playing and any I get my, you know, FIFA career mode one of these lower teams, like there there are two players I I always go to. Um but like I still get confused as to how you don't bring experience like that into the fold. You know, Tim Ream is someone who's once again, he's been playing for a decade. You know, he has to get called into the national team. I mean he was in the squad when they won the Nations League yeah. last year. You have to call him back into this into the squad. But I mean it that once again is all going to depend on the
0: Well, here's the thing. How so our group right now, it's U- UK, Iran, and it's either gonna be Scotland or Wales. Who is going to be the tougher out of Scotland or Wales? I think either or is going to cause big issues for the U.S.
1: I think Wales, simply because Gareth Bale.
0: Oh, yeah, for Wales he turns up, no matter he, what. He
1: turns up. I mean, I guess he's there's no available time slots to go golfing when he's with the national team. <laughs> but, but, like, he's, he's an animal with the national team. And for either of those countries to be in, in, a, in, a, in the World Cup in a big international tournament. I mean, listen, for us it's a big thing because we didn't make the last one. Yeah. But they are going to be very, very interesting to watch, regardless of which which team it is. I mean, listen, Scotland is no pushover.
0: I mean, this World Cup is going to be an interesting one because this is going to be the first World Cup where you will not have the champion of the Euros in the World Cup.
1: Yeah, how wonderful like, is that? Where, where our family comes from, we're the ones that knock them out too. Yeah, like, I mean, I, shout I, out I, to Tchaikovsky, who's currently playing in the Saudi Arabian top flight <laughs> Have you scored that goal to send North Macedonia through to the playoff final? Um, I
0: mean, yeah, 100%. I mean, dude, that's the thing, right? It's like, uh, I mean, well, I mean, okay, For just to clarify, we are Albanian, but, you know, borders, confused, Balkans. Anyways, back to our topic. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing, right? It's tough because when you have someone like Scotland, they're an all-around will-cause-problems type team. But then for Wales, it's always like, you know, you're going to have Dan James... Who's gonna turn up and score fifty goals? You know, it's that's that's Daniel James for you, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I mean <laughs> Look at the the midfield pairing for Scotland.
0: Yeah, Scotland, it's gonna be uh Scott McTominay, uh Fleck, Gilmore, or
1: Ah, that's who, the word. Gilmore's who, no is...
0: no no. Um oh
1: John McGinn. John McGinn, yeah. Yeah, he, he has
0: to start, dude. He's quite the player, isn't he? He, now? he really yeah. is, dude. I love that guy. I wish I would, honestly, I wish United would sign him. I don't care. Get rid of Pogba. We got John McGinn. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, don't, Don't. no, no. If Ralph Ragnick is listening, please, no.
0: Okay, don't, 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 don't stroke my ego that much, dude. No, there's no shot.
1: Well, yeah, but.
0: Yeah, no, but, uh, no. So then, here's the thing Scotland's going to be tough, and then Wales is going to be tough. And. Do we underestimate Iran? Because you know the World Cup. As soon as the World Cup comes around, every no, team listen, turns up. It's
1: going to be all every match. The U.S. has to be at the same level. Tim Howard was at against Belgium.
0: Belgium, he sixteen goal, sixteen saves.
1: Like that is the level every player has to. Christian Pulisic can't can't go missing in the match. He has to be. Every shot has to be on target. Be, being a Chelsea supporter, he has to be the Eden Hazard for what Chelsea, what what. Eden Hazard was the Chelsea for the U.S. National Just to team. clarify,
0: guys, Besmir is a Chelsea supporter.
1: Yeah, I mean, not that that would ever put me down from coaching at any of the other clubs <laughs> in England, just to be clear. But, like, he, Pulisic has to be a difference maker for the U.S. National Team. He can't – this is what I fear for the U.S. National Team. Is sort of what we saw against, like, Mexico. One big opportunity. Yeah. Falls to you. In an open net, you shank a shot, put it wide from inside the six. Team takes the goal kick, puts it down, goes plays the other way, scores a goal, you lose 1-0 because you didn't put an easy chance away. Um, I'm trying to figure out who on the team has that killer mentality to be able to do that. And right now, it's tough to find. Now, so, so going back to like Tim full Fulham first place in the championship. Yeah. He holds out. He has shown he has the experience. He was in the side in the Nations League. It's just he tough because, like,
0: all these other, like, nations, they have these top-flight, like, high-club honors players, and yet we're begging to have a championship-level center back. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's well, no disrespect to him. Don't get me wrong. Like, Tim Ream is a phenomenal center back where any Premier League now, club could honestly now, take him. Now, in but all fairness... It's, it's just tough to find that standard for us. You know what I'm saying? Like, where. are the U.S. is just able to find a way.
1: So, I have two points here to make. The first being the championship is arguably more difficult to plan than 90% of leagues in the world. Well, yeah,
0: because it's what? It's a 48-league season, it's, no? 48-game like league season?
1: 44, 48. Either 46, way, a 40-plus game season is insane. Tremendous. Yeah. But it's physical, the quality there for teams fighting to play in the English Premier League. Mm-hmm. MLS is a, is a quality league. It's decent. If I had to choose where I wanted to play, I'm playing the championship. Yeah. Right? Now, with no disrespect to MLS, listen, I think All over, the, o- over the next decade or two, MLS becomes one of the top leagues in the world. Well, no, I don't think it's ever uh, going to happen because well, they're, listen, they're I, fran- I, if
0: franchise sports does not work in soccer.
1: I, I don't think it breaks into the top five, but um, Sachi said it best. Um, he's the current... He played at Red Bulls. Yeah. Assistant coach at Fordham, head coach for FC Motown. He said in a podcast, he said, if I had to put my money down on any on any individual kind of business, uh, per, on a businessman or, or a business person, he said it would be the American business person. Those who run MLS are the same people that run the NFL and the NBA and some of the best businesses in the world.
0: Yeah, but yeah, but those businesses are losing less and less people that are interested and they're losing, le- no, they're I, losing I, I, viewers.
1: Actually, I would argue and say otherwise. I mean, look at... You well, you look at City, for example. Like, City, like granted,
0: they're ran like a well-oiled machine. You see? Well-oiled machine. See, yeah, with... I got you. I got you. Yeah, you like that? But yeah, like City are a moneymaker. Manchester United are a moneymaker. And yet they thrive in these leagues where if you get relegated, for example, it's going to happen to an Everton. If they get relegated, they have no... Clause of where there's no relegation clause where they still pay these three hundred thousand like wages like you lose money and that's the issue with these franchise franchise sports and soccer they, they tried doing that with the Super League Super League got shot down yes you have to understand with there being a franchise with there being only guarantees and no risk there's there's no there's no higher reward and there's no higher interest
1: yeah but I'm also an optimist to think that eventually the MLS will will come to a point and I think it happens in the next. I think it happens this decade, because where promotional relegation does mm-hmm. happen in this country. Because to
0: understand where we're we at. We're almost at thirty. Like we're almost close mm-hmm. to thirty teams in the MLS.
1: Something like that. Yeah. I mean, honestly speaking, I don't follow MLS too closely right
0: now. But you, um, but yeah. But the, the, exactly my point. You have to understand. Yeah. If you can at least cut ten teams, well, and right, then you well, find and then you find ten more teams in the in the USL. You're telling me you can't have a a, a promotion relegation system that will be well, very interesting and high in, in, in earnings?
1: Now, remember, we're 25 years old as a league, as MLS. Yeah. And, and arguably speaking, yeah, we don't like the way it's being done right now, but they have shown that right now is the best way to run a professional soccer league in this country because all the others failed. So for me, I'm fine with them bringing MLS every major market in the country. Yeah. And eventually, I... Confident that they will see the money and promotional relegation and it will happen. And listen, at the end of the day, if it doesn't, the U.S. has this. Could be a whole other. We are gonna have to do a podcast on the the structure of youth soccer and soccer in this country. Yeah. We 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 arguably have some of the best infrastructure in the world to develop talent in this country. Um, you know, there are certain parts of our system that are broken. Large parts of our system that are broken, but you're looking at the U.S. becoming a world superpower in football if we were to fix our system. If U.S. soccer was able to capitalize on the athletes more, I mean, if, if they were just to be able to kind of, you know, round everyone up and say, hey, this is our vision, this is what we're looking to do now. Um, you know, right now, it's been, hey, MLS, run the show, m- make your money. Grow, grow soccer. They might not be doing it too well, but hey, you look at some places and it's at, it's 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 working f- pretty dang well. Um, in Atlanta, you know. Now there's a lot of downfalls. The whole other conversation we can have. Yeah. But, um, you know, but going back to the U.S. national team at the World Cup, if if we were to see a Tim Ream and Geoff Cameron. At the World Cup for the U.S. national team, I'd be arguably one of the happiest people in the world. Oh yeah, I love Geoff Cameron. You know, yeah, he's now he's here. He played forever in the Prem and in in the Championship. Comes to MLS as one of the big name center backs in the league. From the Championship, yeah. that that says the level, right? Tim Ream comes and starts for any side in MLS, and he's in the Championship right now. He be he be a designated player. Online. Yeah, he have to be. Yeah. You know, so that says... That's also another big issue is the weight structure in the MLS.
0: Unless you're a designated player or a foreign player and you're, you're part of the MLS union, you're you're making, what, $100,000 a year in comparison to, let's say, Davia when he was at NYCFC. He was making over $3 million a season.
1: Yeah, and listen, once again, that's one of the failures in the system, but if that is what they think is going to work, until MLS falls apart... You can argue and just say they're doing things right for now.
0: Yeah, for now, like within TV, obviously they're bringing in more viewers than what a lot of people yeah, can I mean, ask for. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because you gotta understand, like if we're looking at Nielsen ratings, they they were pulling in more viewership in the regular season than the NFL was in their opening se- like the opening first few games of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just look at well, it depends on the market, right? I mean, you look at the New York Red Bulls. Red Bull Arena is. It, it makes the Etihad with City look sold out, and Etihad doesn't sell out. Yeah, um
0: but also, uh, but that's also been another thing. It's like teams like the Red Bulls, NYCFC, um, like ticket sales are there a little bit, but your NYCFCs, they're playing in Yankee Stadium where it's very awkward seating for fans, and they don't know, they don't really enjoy the atmosphere.
1: The one thing I am upset about with the Red Bulls they haven't brought in... now. I understand the whole idea and not want to be a retirement league or whatever. But I'm blessed to have been able to watch Thierry Henry play. Yeah. For my local club. Like for my for for for, for the New York Red Bulls, like he Thierry freaking Henry, like he. Like the level of swagger, on a field is at maximum. When he's on the pitch. 100%. Like, like, now, listen, they brought in Fletcher. You know, he's from Watford. He's... he. Okay, you bring a Prem player in. I respect it. Yeah. Right, but... I have no problem with bringing in someone like who... Mertens right now at yeah, Toronto. Yeah, Dries
0: Mertens. Well, no, 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 not Toronto. Toronto, it was uh, Insigne, supposedly. Insigne, there yeah, Insigne is only Insigne.
1: 29, bro. I know, but like...
0: That's not even retirement.
1: Like... Bringing like an Insigne in, you know. Listen, he's not the level of Thierry, but, all but still, he, he well, like, will,
0: the, he'll he any MLS defender. No problem.
1: A, a big, a big player like that coming in, like that gives me a reason to go watch the game. Be able to go watch Thierry Henry play straight. Listen, if Tim Ream was to come back to MLS and play for the Red Bulls, I'd go. I'd go watch a couple every games time and just watch Tim Ream play. Every
0: time Red Bulls played DC United, I was there. I'm watching. I watched my Wayne Rooney play live. I'll take that. Oh yeah,
1: that. I. I watched Didier Drogba play for Montreal. Yeah. Cause, in case viewers don't know or listeners don't know, I am a Chelsea fan. Yeah, yeah. Just so. clarify. <laughs>
0: Zuda is a Chelsea Football Club fan. Just yes. Just
1: clarify. Um, like I sat there, dragged my mom, and my little brother along as well, and I watched Didier Drogba score a penalty at Red Bull Arena on, on the team I support, <laughs> and I celebrated it. It was Didier freaking Drogba scoring. I, I then saw, like, that, that. I believe that was the game where, like, Sasha clutched in and stuff. were also on, like, that's, like, that's the kind of match you want to watch, dude. Yeah. It's it's Didier Drogba. He, arguably, one of the most clutch players to ever play in the Prem. Like, you put him in a cup final today at, like, 40 years old. He's going to bury a goal. He'll somehow find the header or something. You know, you know? He, he's going to score a goal to beat United in a cup final even today. Ah. If, if he's being marked by Harry Maguire. Actually, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maguire, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but that's that's the allure of having these big name play big name players. I mean, to have do Dro- you like uh I I'm starstruck even just remembering having watched their will play. Like when we drove all the way up to uh Oh, yeah, we to went to Boston. Boston
0: and one day we drove yes. there in the morning, got there
1: it took us like five hours to get there because we made like five stops on the way there. Okay,
0: but New London was—you cannot tell me New London was not yeah, fun. we yeah. still
1: haven't gone back. We said we would. Yeah, New. Lo- I was actually there like a year and a half ago. I'm not gonna lie. Wow, that hurts. Like, a year ago, hurts but my um,
0: soul. hurts my soul. You you think you know people?
1: You think you know people? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, it's like we got to go watch Chelsea play when they were playing in that game against um, the New England Revolution. Yeah. The whole Chelsea first, that—that's the game where Ruben Loftus Cheek got hurt, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, Ed it was. was it was. Shit. He got injured. Yeah, he got injured in that match. But like, we saw the whole first team play. Like to watch Eden Hazard on the ball on TV is one thing. To yeah. watch <laughs> you know, to watch him dribbling in real life
0: against the I New England mean, Revolution, let alone. <laughs>
1: re- regardless, he makes everyone look like, like they play on my U12 team. I don't have a U-12 team, so there's no disrespect I have, U12 I, U12 I, have, I, have, I
0: have a U-8 team, so I do to distract my girls.
1: So, it's like... So, Edith Hazard makes everyone look like, an, like, a, like a seven-year-old learning to kick a soccer ball for the first time. Like, we got to watch him do that in person. Oh, You God. know? And that was after I beat you in soccer tennis in the parking lot. Yeah,
0: but... Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was heavier then. I wasn't as skilled as I am now. It's a different story.
1: <laughs> but, no, I mean... Uh, yeah, MLS having these quote-unquote retired players come in or whatever. It is, I, I I don't I don't care. Yeah, I it's, love it. It's just, I love
0: it. It's just malarkey, you know. And that, folks, will wrap it. This is top of the hour of WMSC Upper Montclair, and this is Week. Yeah, we are
1: welcome. I totally just had these on for like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs>